Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Yeah, it's a new year. Not yet. Okay. I mean, maybe when they're listening to this. Sure. Wait, what have I started? Never mind. In the future. (laughs) Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Right here, right now, baby. (laughs) Very. Apparently, Jed's New Year's resolution is to be more present, but he doesn't understand what that means. Also joining us from the Magic, be the Magic of the Interwebs, all the Americans in the city, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Young. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm, and I, this is a shout out to all my people from 2014. I ain't forgot about you. We're still here, baby. Yeah, totally. It was a weird mixture of hip hopping, but also the time stuff. A little bit of Dr. Yeah. Dre meets Dr. Who. Yeah, nice. I enjoyed that. Well, to be clear, uh, people listening uh, via the magic of the uh, intercontinental web. Yeah. Uh, Is that like the intercontinental championship? Yeah. Um, Both were invented by Randy Savage. What What Lee is doing is sending a shout out. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, which is that he is, in a metaphorical sense, shouting Towards you, towards the people, not in a in a aggressive, aggressive way. way. No, no, no. Uh, in a in a family friendly friendly way, shout if out you will, that he's shouting that he likes a certain individual. Sure, totally. Doesn't mean he only likes those individuals. It's not an exclusive shout out. It's not like a racist uh, chant. No, he's saying I. But he's, what he is saying. <laughs> I like this person specifically that, you know, who knows if that's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're going to go back to it's not a racist chant. <laughs> well, it's. it's I'm, I, I'm, I'm terrified to ask. <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah, I got to be honest. I had no idea what that was either. Well, you know, it's it's like. Um, Did he's you saying, think that's what shout outs were for he's, a while? He, he's Well, he's <laughs> saying, I like this person. Yeah. But not other people, you know, so it's an exclusive. Look, I don't have anything against the people in 2015. I just don't want us to forget right. where we came from. He's exactly not right. racist against past people. Lee, you I started don't think that's a thing. Lee, you, <laughs> you started at the bottom of 2014. Now you're here. Look, I'm, st- I'm still, Lee from, I'm still Lee from 2014. Look, man, you came up. That's all you. That's, right. That's what I'm talking about. All right, we've officially reached maximum Drake capacity <laughs> on this podcast. That needs to. St- that is far more offensive than anything Glenn has done up to this point. Matt, well, last I, name. I, I, I quite disagree. <laughs> last name ever, first name greatest. Much like a sprained ankle, I'm nothing to play with. I, I don't. Really? I don't see the problem here. Uh, I'm afraid yeah. Jed is going to take this Drake mill you too far and be quietly weeping with his tender tender emotions by the end of the show <laughs> well now that, you're a good host and you know it <laughs> oh, now, lord now, now that reminds i have me. lost control in record time uh speaking of of people who you know choose to hate people in the past and we don't agree with that uh we have to to make our resolutions Okay. For all the things, because we got it. It's a new year, y'all. It's about to be. We are right. recording this. This is our last recording of 2014. This episode will drop, as the kids say, on New Year's Eve 2014. Ooh. So Champagne. So probably when people are having their New Year's Eve party, you know what they're doing? They're turning it on the podcast. Sure. With their friends gathered around. The mistletoe. The mistletoe and, and listening to this. And they want to know. Because people say, "Hey, what, what is it going to be in the new year?" Sure. What? Because you can't just keep doing the same chaos, mayhem, and nonsense that we have been doing. Sure. You got to mix it up. You got to. I'm take glad it. to hear that. Oh, you're, you're not saying we're going to stop that. You just want to find new chaos, sure. mayhem, I, and nonsense. I'm saying we got to take it to another level. Totally, oh. I couldn't agree more. You know what I mean? Uh, I was so hopeful for roughly two seconds. There are, the, you, uh, I think we've been. I think we're getting soft. Well, Glenn, start us off, man. What, what's on you know the docket for you in 2015? Uh, I just right off the the, the top, uh, 
Skinny jeans. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. Uh, skinny shirts. Ooh, very nice. Okay. Uh, skinny tie. Okay. Also good. Skinny coat. Ooh, okay. And clown shoes. What before? Skinny hat. Okay. So I'm saying. Sure. Because you got to go head to toe. Sure. Absolutely. What exactly is a skinny hat? Just really tight in okay. a very uncomfortable way. <laughs> uh. Uh, just if you get like a rubber glove and just put that down <laughs> over your right. head, a little and Howie then, Mandel, and then clown shoes at the yeah. bottom because right. you know that's you know you got to mix it up. Yeah, you have yeah. to you have to have some flair in there. Sure. So I'm just going all skinny. That's just my new thing. Not you're. I know what you're saying, but you do not have the physique for that. Sure. Technically, uh, no one does. Pro, uh, 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 er, certain areas of your, your body will be exposed because sure. just it's like a sausage casing. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow! And you'll your be, words, you friend. Know. Your words. <laughs> and and uh, wow! So it's like there's no way. You understand? Know, they called him Andy Glenn. The, the, it's the the physics of it just won't allow. You sure. Know what I'm saying? Sure. But uh, you have to have goals. You gotta have sure. goals. So that's me. How about you, Jen? Well, I've been I've been reading you know a lot of theologians in 2014. You know, and and you know, uh, uh, you know G.K. Chesterton. You know, of course. You know, um, you know a lot of guys. You know, just with two syllable. You know, two letters and then their last name. But reading one that's really inspired me, and I want to put his words you know into effect in 2015. Is it's C.T. Barbarian, and mm. he wrote. You know, I you know. Don't all of us want to see our enemies driven before us and hear the lamentations of their women? Right. And I've just been thinking a lot about that. Sure. You know, and sure. you know, I feel like yeah, that's. Jed, I'm gonna yeah. go yeah. ahead and demand that you do that line in the appropriate accent. <laughs> <laughs> to see our enemies driven before you and hear the lamentations of their women. Thank you. Now, that sounded like a certain type of accent. Well, it's it's he's an Austrian theologian. Okay. Um, you okay. know, uh, uh, right. you know, CT Barbarian. Okay. Um, you came out of Hanover. Yeah. You know, he's just he's he's moved me, man. So that's your your goal is to hear the lamentations of the women of your enemy. Exactly right. Now later in life, he went through a bit of a transformation. He actually changed his name. He went from okay. being CT Barbarian to CT Destroyer. I see. Uh, but but I feel like the wisdom just got better <laughs> right. as he transitioned from one to the other. Right. So right, right, you know. Right, it's pretty like a great. Paul to a Saul kind of exactly right. Kind of exactly. Audience, right. I hope your one of your resolutions <laughs> was to IMDb '80s action movies more this year because you're off to a cracking start. Turns out, before he was governor, he did some other stuff. <laughs> Lee, let's throw to you. Please be the lone voice of sanity in the chaos of stupid that has been this episode. So far. 2015. My goal is more funnel cakes. It's nice. pure and simple. That's a good goal. Uh, so your goal Strong. is to not see 2016. <laughs> it's I'm, look. I, I I don't know what the future holds, except for right. batter sprayed into a vat of boiling oil haphazardly sure, right. into a basic right. nest that then right. someone pulls out of the boiling oil and pours powdered sugar on top of it, puts that on a styrofoam plate, and hands it to me for seven dollars. Now look. That's happening. Those are right. Dollywood prices you're quoting there, buddy. Seven bucks. I'll that, do it. See, the the good thing about that is that's happening now. Sure. Okay. We could all die in a giant fiery ball of death. No question. Tomorrow. Right. You see what I'm saying? Sure. You say, well, you know what? It okay. Like, let's say you're somewhere and the giant wall of flames is coming to yeah. consume yeah, you, yeah. to wipe you off the planet. In that moment, you know what you're going to think. You know what? Should have gone for the funnel cake. Exactly. Dang straight, man. Exactly. See what I mean? Dang straight. Because uh, now, what's it? You don't. It don't. It don't really doesn't matter. Sure. So, uh, that's, I, that's one of the things I'm looking at is live for today. Yeah. Yep. You know, and um, uh, really work on the outside. Sure. Of myself. A lot sure. of people work on the, their inner. But that's for chumps. Well, you gotta, you know, you know what it is. You have to have a look. Sure, absolutely. Right now, <laughs> I don't have a, a my my look is not good. Okay. As I mentioned, I don't have the physique. Um, and do you think funnel cakes are going to help in that? Well, you know what? Right now, if I could try and describe it, um, it's sort of like a fat golem. <laughs> 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 That's impressive. 
our and, funnel cakes oh, were precious. And, and that's that. You see what I'm saying? I'm eating oh. the funnel cake. I got the powder all over my mouth. And everything precious. It's not. You know what I mean? He's just There's, in a loincloth, sitting on a bank, right, the bank exactly. of a river. Just yeah, kind of perched like a gargoyle, yeah. eating my funnel cake. And that's just not. You got to. You, you know, people say, well, you have to work on your heart, your yeah. internal. You know, sometimes you have to work on the outside, too. So I don't want to interrupt this bit, but there's no possible way we're going to beat Fat Gollum. <laughs> we should just declare emergency off and move on. We should. <laughs> Did we ever declare that there was an emergency in the first place? No, Actually, but I think it, oh I think it goes without saying when Fat Gollum <laughs> happens. <laughs> We've hit a state of emergency. That was well done, sir. Uh, that was well done. We all know... <laughs> Why Glenn is not welcome back at Bush Gardens now? <laughs> Here's the thing I'm going to say. I, as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, you know, I've actually got an actual New Year's thing. But as I think about it, it may be more ridiculous than all of them. I'll okay. share it quickly. A bunch of buddies, uh, who, about many of them on Young Life staff around the country, some guys that Lee and I know do a every couple of years do a big weight loss competition, kind of okay. a get the New Year off of the chubbiest loser. Okay. Okay. Because nice. NBC is litigious, apparently, <laughs> to the point of suing youth ministry workers. Run by our buddy Will down there in Houston. Organizes it. It's a very cool thing. That's right. Cool. The idea is you pay him 25 bucks, and then it's you know weekly. Whoever loses the most each month and overall gets a certain amount of the pot. Good motivation. Everybody has a lot of fun. If you'd like to uh, join up, just if you live in Houston, just find Will. Good. Just yeah. hand him, find Will, hand him $25, you're in. Yeah. Are, are you Will? And so, eventually someone will say, yeah, hand yep. him 25 bucks. Done. And then email You're them about your weight loss over the next three months. <laughs> right. So here's the deal. Though. What, what I realized. What, can, you, can you join up if you are a fat golem? Like, is that, is that like its own category? Like yeah, I'm, I think that I'm like, is. I'm in, I'm in welterweight. I'm in, right. it's become a problem. Right. And then there's, after that, it's. You know, yeah. Well, it's like regular golem, bantam golem. <laughs> husky golem. Hus- husky, uh, portly short go- golem. And then, you know. Sure. So what I realized we're talking here is that is a good thing in general. It's also not any more ridiculous than anything we said because it is trading. Here's the here's the trade we're all trying to make the new year. Two bad two of the seven deadly sins. Right. Sloth and gluttony. Yeah. But we're trading that for greed because the only way we can be motivated to get healthier is through gambling. Yeah. Well, and I'm against that. Really. You know, Glenn. What part uh, of that are you against, guy who took me to the track for the first time? I have no idea I what these point, words before mean. Before you go ahead, Jed, I want to point out two things. Glenn is not a high fiver. He doesn't care That's for true. it. That's true. That's a fact. I've, I I've do been, not. I've known five. Glenn for I don't know five or six years at this point. I've been working here for three. I've gotten exactly two high fives from Glenn. That's correct. One is when we found out we had booked a really exciting guest for this podcast, Miss Sandra McCracken. That was very cool for us. Kind of our first guest that we didn't have any connection to personally. We thought that was neat. Right. The second was when he, when we hit a trifecta at the track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the, well, you know, uh, it's it's for really important moments. Absolutely. Yeah. And with that admission of insanity, I declare Fat Gollum emergency off. <laughs> Sometimes you're at welterweight Gollum, sure. and then you you go up to to just full on heavyweight. Well, that's Gollum. where the real money is. Well, there hasn't yeah. really been any money in uh, like, when, when do you have since the seventies. Yeah, like there's, it's become a problem, Gollum, and then there's like you know your family sits you down, Gollum. Right, like intervention, <laughs> Gollum. intervention, yeah. Gollum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know. We all remember the great middleweight Sugar Ray Gollum, but he was <laughs> yeah. really the last yeah. middleweight who made any money. Well played. You, you know, you 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 know, there there's a point where you have to say, I got, you know, I got I got to work on uh, the external. You know. Okay, sure. Do we think that there's another uh, Peter Jackson prequel in this, and that that is why Gollum in the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings movies is on an all fish diet? <laughs> Could be. Could be. That's your, you got your proteins, your right. amino acids. Right. Gollum started out as an IT guy. Your omega threes. A lot of time in front of the computer, yeah. you know, and a lot of salty snacks. Yeah, and, you his, know. his eyes got all buggity, and, yeah. and uh, yeah. that's what happens. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're sitting in front of a computer now, it's our the process has begun. This is what I'm talking about. Hey, we warned you. Yeah, exactly you know, right. Well, if, if you're listening to this and you've hoped, wow, I hope the uh, the guys aren't going to change and grow and mature in ways that Not would alter the podcast, <laughs> rest easy. Hey, we we won't ever change for to 
and you won't know what we're like. See, and that's full circle. That's why I gave the shout out to my people in 2014. I don't know why why you're hating on me about that. You know, guys, we um, thanks for bringing thanks for bringing the opportunity for Glenn to bring that bit back up again, Lee. We've had a lot of helpful. fun. A lot of fun here today. You know, have we? Uh-oh. Have we really? Yeah, you know, I know who this is. We've 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 told a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not that. I'm not sure that all of them were uplifting, or <laughs> edifying, or edifying. I I don't think that all of them. Stop were, helping legalistic Jed. I don't think that all of them were helpful. But um, you know, if you're if you're prepared to answer before your Lord someday for the <laughs> well, by all means. Uh, but when um, I think about the transition to 2015 and and resolutions I might make. Two things occur to me. Of course, uh, James instructs us to say, if it is God's will, um, and I think that's something worth considering. I've heard none of you say as you've considered your plans for this coming year. Wow, that's true. My primary resolution is to be more more resolute in my love for Jesus, Mm. (laughs) and I think that's something for all of you to think about. Um, Certainly, I... It's not my place to judge you. Um, I am doing right. so, but it's not my place. <laughs> um, That's just free of charge. But, extra um, something. As I hear casual references to greed and gluttony and sloth and fornication. Uh, <laughs> 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 Was there a mention? What was that just in your head, Jed? You just grabbed that <laughs> one. Don't, don't recall that one like, coming up, Jed. I think Jed uh, was Was that maybe something a... you planned to say? And we moved on? He's going to have his own little private podcast in his head. <laughs> and then <laughs> apparently was adult <laughs> parental advisory podcast material. And we do kick off 2015 with Jed, legalistic Jed, creeping himself out. <laughs> that's, yes. the, that's wow. The first ever breaking of character You pulled, you pulled a full stop because legalistic Jed is like Darkwing Duck just pulling stuff from the cape. And sometimes yeah. we all are making faces or lewd right. gestures or something, try to crack each other. This was not one of those. None <laughs> yeah. of us no. were looking at Jed when that happened. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the thing about the legalistic Jed character is it's always a question of how far can I push it before, right. you know, I, I kind of crack myself up with it. Right. Most of the time I can I can keep that, you know, in the middle of the road because right, right, right. I just get sadness in my head. Right, and just yes, really yeah. stay there. Project it, yeah. Exactly right. But I, I think Fat Gollum kind of threw me off, yeah. you know, yeah. so. That's not a good look. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Moving, good. Moving luck. on. Moving on. Rose is fine. Moving on. If you'd like to sign up for Bridgebox to fund this insanity, why not? I, we do actually good things on Tuesdays. I swear to you. Uh, MissionUSA.com/slash/Bridgebox. Eight dollars a month. Lots of good stuff to fuel your walk every month. There. Sign up while you can. We've got leftover merch. Sitting around that you can have. We got a uh, t-shirts, bracelets, wool beanies, while supplies last. A great way to if your if your goal is in a super non creepy way to go a little deeper, learn a little more about your walk with Jesus in the new year. Bridgebox is a great way to get that. A lot of good materials. All right, we're gonna move to our first question here. It says, "How do I, as an introvert, share the gospel with non Christians?" Every time I hear someone at my college fellowship share about evangelism, it's always about being really open with them, smiling a lot, inviting them to things, and not being afraid to approach people. As an introvert, all this sounds terrifying to me, and I don't know if I can just click with people as fast as others do. For me, it may take some time. How does evangelism work for quiet and shy people like me? Jed, kick us off. I can. Um, I'm going to read you a quote. Uh, This is from a guy. It's attributed anyway to a guy named Francis of Assisi. Um, and if you've heard uh, cool stuff about the current pope, um, that's who he took his name from. That's that's who he's named after. Is, and, and intentionally. And so. intentionally so. Yeah. This is a quote from cool Francis pope. of Assisi. He wrote, always remember to preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Always remember to preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Here's what that means. Jed, I thought that Christian parody Twitter account I follow came up with that quote. They super didn't. Fun. It, here's what that means. Just love people. Live right. out your faith. Love people. Serve people. Sacrifice for them. Um, love them deeply. Love them well. Live out the things that you wish that they believed. Live out the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Um, what you'll find is if you love people and serve people in Jesus' name, you have preached a far more effective sermon to them than you ever could by dragging them to church or sitting down with a tract. Um, 
yeah, at some point they're they're likely to have some questions and want to talk about things. But at that point, you've already built a relationship, and um, it's uh, not really an, an awkward thing anymore. Um, certainly, what people refer to as contact evangelism, which is kind of going around with tracts and whatnot, that that has its place. It's something that the Lord uses, but uh, it's not for everybody. And if it's creeping you out, there's no reason you need to be doing that. Right. Um, right. What what the Lord is calling you to do is not to hand out tracts. He's calling you to love people. That's right. that's what He's calling you to do, and you are fully qualified to do that. You know, um, one of the things, uh, not to say it's true about every introvert that I've known, but many of the introverts I've known have been people who feel things very intensely. Um, and that actually is a strength when it comes to loving people. You know, one, one of the things that, that gets in the way of loving other people effectively is just having no sense of how other people might feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you have a strong sense of how other people might feel, you're actually uniquely qualified to go and love people well. But that's where it starts and it ends. It begins and ends with loving people. There might be a few words in there somewhere, but that's not going to be the star attraction. That's absolutely a great point. One of the things we need to clear up as we get moving on this is the difference between introversion <laughs> and shyness. Glenn, can you walk us through a little, little bit of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to uh, You mentioned being introverted and being a, a quiet person. An introverted person... Uh, likes uh, uh, living uh, an, an interior life, uh, doesn't feel um, uh, a, an intense need or desire for to live a, a social life uh, the way other people might do. Uh, they're kind of uh, they like to keep themselves to themselves, and they um, they enjoy that time. They feel refreshed and rejuvenated by having a certain amount of uh, solitude and and that sort of thing. Being shy. Uh, and being a chicken is a different thing. Yeah, uh, that's uh, that might have to do with being insecure. It might have to do with sort of feeling overwhelmed by social situations. It might be any number of negative things that actually need to be dealt with. So I, I hear a lot of people use that word introverted when they really mean I am not socially. Uh, well-adjusted. I don't have a large number of friends. I'm actually really chicken about talking to other human beings. I study way too much in order to over-obsess on what I'm doing here, and I am ignoring the fact that having some sort of social skill is key to success in the world just like school is, and and I'm sort of overweighing one going the other direction. And then I get into this Christianity thing. It turns out the Christianity, uh, there is that social component. There is that thing about fellowship. There is that thing about sharing uh, back and forth in the faith. So I think just as we're diving into this, let's make sure we're not using that word introverted to cover a different kind of struggle. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. Lee, can you talk to us a little bit about maybe what it feels like from that other side of being reached out versus being kind of loved on and in that relationship versus being witnessed to. Yeah, I, I can tell you, and 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 all four of us could tell you because we all, all four of the guys on this show grew up in the American South, and there's a whole lot of witnessing that happens down here. Yeah. Um, the, the church where I grew up, they they literally would ask us like, "Did you witness this week? Did you, yeah. did you witness? Have you been witnessing? Did, did you, Lee? I mean, did you? Did you?" Jed, I just really don't know if you've been witnessing. I, I just really don't know if you've been if you've been standing in the way of your own witness. Yeah, like if you've been right. witnessing so much that when people see you coming, they think, "Oh God, not him." Because <laughs> that's the level of witnessing we're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a praying. Sure, that's a prayer. They're calling out to God. I knew a guy that, like, you know, he 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 took like a paint marker and he painted, you know, certain you know verses onto his backpack and stuff, and it was, you know, it was it, it was like a. With a you know he wrote this stuff on his backpack with a paint marker. If you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before my. And it was like he just was keeping himself motivated to always be in people's grills about where they stood spiritually. I mean, we're talking about at the mall. He's just stopping random strangers and asking them, "If you died today, where do you where would you go?" You know, to a and, Holiday Inn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's one of these deals where the uh, it, all that to say, I've had a lot of experiences of people. You know quote-unquote, reaching out to me, uh, a lot of people witnessing to me. I, I've I've been on the college campus with the guy standing in the middle of the street screaming at everybody that they're lost and all that kind of stuff. And the kind of stuff that people kind of put down, I mean, I, I've been in those groups where everybody gets together and they're like, this is what we did this week to reach out to people. And we know, I mean, you know, if, if, if they don't want to know Jesus, it's not our fault because we did our part. 
you know? And, and all that to say, if you're hearing that kind of stuff from the people that you're around in your group, please don't get discouraged. I can tell you from the other side of that, that the way that it feels to be, to, to be handled that way is a totally different feeling than someone who takes the time to get to know you and to Say become that. a friend with you, to just to become yeah. friends with you and to care about you, to know about your life, to love you. Um, the, the way that feels is a totally different thing. And here's the deal is whether you're shy or whether you're an introvert or whatever, um, because as Glenn's saying, introverted, it's, you know, I'm an introverted guy. What that means is I'd like to, if at all possible, I'd like to have about two and a half hours at the beginning of the day by myself. Yeah, with no one else around so that I can kind of charge my batteries for basically a full day of being around people. Now, I have to kind of charge up that way. If I have a couple of days in a row where I haven't had any time by myself, just watch out. I'm not going to be I'm not going to be leading anybody to the Lord. I'm going to be really 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 hurting people's feelings. So yeah. I charge my batteries by being alone so that I can go out and be friendly to people and be you know engage in in social relationships. And that's you know that's kind of what that means in my case. But anybody, an introverted person or a shy person, you know how to be a good friend. Yes. And that's really the heart of evangelism. When you look at the way Jesus did it, I mean, he he sat down with people, he was interested in them, he asked them questions, and he listened to the answers. And and, and this is what this is what we're, we're what we're trying to do. When we're trying to reach people. It's a very long process. I mean, the way that the way that I reach lost high school kids in my hometown, it's a it is a long play. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's getting to know people, it's caring about them, being where they are in their life, um, you know, being there for, you know, just being around so that when stuff falls apart, I'm the person that's there for them. And then all of a sudden I've, I've gained an, some access into their life, into their emotions, into their, you know, and they're, I'm the person that they call now when they're having a hard time. Then as the relationship develops, we talk about deeper and deeper issues. They want to know how come you, you and your wife and your family are like this? Well, it's really because we have this relationship with Jesus. And then over time, over a period of months or sometimes even years, the, the, there's a green light to talk about the Lord. Um, but that's a slow process, and anybody can do that. But that's the difference in kind of witnessing, as some church people will talk about, and kind of this, this other thing that Glenn's talking about, this relational evangelism of just, just getting to know somebody and working your way into the, earning the right to, be, to, to actually talk about spiritual things in their life. Just to add some scriptural backing to that, um, there's a part of the Bible, you can read it in the very last chapter of Matthew, it's called the Great Commission, and it's kind of the the final instructions Jesus gave to his followers before he returned to heaven, and it it begins, you'll forgive the King James, but go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Right. It's super important. He didn't say go into all the world and get people to pray a sinner's prayer. Right. He didn't say that. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. As someone who disciples people for a living, you can't do that without a relationship. Period. Right. You, can't, Absolutely, you right. cannot do that without a long-term, ongoing, day-in, day-out interaction. Getting people saved and discipling them are not the same thing. Right. It should, evangelism is just the first step in that it's process. It's just the first step. It's an important step, certainly, mm-hmm. and, and no one debates that. But the charge from Jesus is not mass evangelism. The charge right. from Jesus is discipleship. Yeah. That's the thing. And again, you as a person who, you know, I, I'm guessing feels things deeply and values depth connections, you're actually set up to do that kind of work mm-hmm. yeah. of long-term discipleship. Well, I think that's true. And part of this um, thing this person's talking to you with, and Unfortunately, there are a lot of great college groups out there, but college groups, for a weird reason, seem to be as prone to kind of trends yeah. and stuff as possible. That could be a lot of that maybe because a lot of college uh, outreaches just kind of leave staff people on their own. So they're getting discipled by the Christian bookstore themselves or trying to do their best or it's, you know, it's a very shiny time of life. It's people to raise money or whatever, or whatever. But there's been this kind of thing in the last 10, 15 years in America and it's starting to spread to this world, which is the mega church kind of model and ideal, which we're not here to bash mega churches. If you go to mega church, you like it. Great. Keep going. There's nothing about size that makes church good or bad. But part of what's happened is mega churches kind of run on somewhat of a corporate model in that what works for someone gets like diffuses through the whole thing real, real quick. So this idea of a very charismatic person up front, if you've 
ever been to a mega church knows one has the people they pick for leadership are not always necessarily the most spiritually mature or the ones strong for the Lord. They're the ones who are maybe look best sprawled out wearing They're the shiniest wearing khakis and blue button down shirts on a manicured lawn in front of the church on the billboard, which for some right. reason, every church over a certain size seems to have that billboard. Right. There's this idea of fitting the mold, yeah. which is, you know, really neither here nor there, but that mold is white, attractive, mi- you know, middle-class, middle class, middle age, banana Republic early. Yes, exactly. Early. Middle, it's kind of cookie cutter, which they're trying to appeal to a mass audience. So you kind of put out the, the default idea there, but that bleeds this idea that other people don't have a role in the kingdom. And that's right. not true. Part of the thing that Jed's pointing to there, that great commission is there are some people and a certain type of person, which is this kind of, you know, down the middle person who is maybe more gifted to reaching a lot of people. And they're, right. you know, they're a real people person. They're a go-getter and they have these skills. And that's fine. I'm just saying that's valuable. That's not any more valuable than the ability to go deep with one person. Right. And as Jed's pointing out, spiritually, scripturally, that may actually be a little less valuable. Exactly. But it, it's easy to it's easier to measure success on yeah. and it's easier to do so you can do a lot more of it. Right. So at some point, it seems like somebody just decided this one that's easy to measure and easier to do is good. Right. So we should get more of that. Just to very quickly jump in on that point, part of what you're saying is you're really describing a one-on-one process here. Sure. And there are people who are great at being shiny and on the microphone, but one-on-one, those same people really tend to struggle because yeah. it's a different thing. When it's just you and that other person, it, it, like all this image stuff goes out the window. Here's the beautiful part about that is if you are more of an interior person, one-on-one conversations will be more comfortable for you than sure. doing the big stuff. Oh, yeah. So you may be more acclimated to do this uh, on a on a comfortable one-on-one level than some of these other people that look like they're really good at it. Well, sure, and absolutely right. And the kingdom needs, not to cut you off, Lee, yeah. but I'll get, throw it to you in a second. Um, the kingdom, you know, to set up like a church, if you look at that, needs one or two people who are really good on the mic and you do need sure. that that's personal skill sure. but for every one of those people they need 10 15 people who can sit down with someone after the service and have a conversation and really yeah. hash it out just through yeah. the logistics of it go ahead Lee. well i mean and even even when you look at somebody like and you look at somebody like uncle glenn who's awesome on the mic and has been doing this for you know a quarter century kind of deal and yet what he will say and you've if you've listened to the show long enough you've heard him say it and he would say if you were in a conversation with him is his best ministry work and the best stuff he's ever said nobody's ever heard cuz it's one-on-one conversations you bet period you bet. yeah it's absolutely right so there's this idea that um it's only a certain set of gifts and traits and personality types that Jesus gives people to work with. That's not true. Jesus can work with whatever he has given you. That's why he gave it to you. But also, we need to go to the Bible. We need to get some good wisdom right into the podcast. It's a really good way to start that. Of Are the priorities that certain gifts are given, maybe in my um, little ecosystem here, are those actually on point? Right. Because knowing people, Glenn included and Lee and Jed included, who run either ministries or certain aspects of a ministry— Every person I've ever known who ran a ministry will tell you, I'd much rather have the person who can sit down and go deep and have a real conversation with a couple of people a day than the person who's running around smiley, shaking everybody's hand. If if a person has that skill set, that's great. We can find a way to use that. But we got to have people who can, as Jed's saying, do one-on-one discipleship stuff. And you are actually better set up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Is this that you don't have a yeah, good the, idea of how valuable that yeah, is? Yeah, this person's having a crisis. Will, can you just sit down and listen? That's totally. huge. That's yep. huge. No yep. and, you, and you wouldn't want to be doing more than three of those on your most maxed oh, yeah. out day. I mean, when Glenn, he's, when Glenn and our friend Pete go down to the jailhouse, they drive six hours to talk to two guys. Right, yeah. Because that's the idea. That's that's yeah. the max. That's how that works. So yeah. you, you are set up to do maybe even more than you thought. So we're going to jump to our second question here. It also came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, what are some good guidelines or questions to consider when it comes to setting your personal physical boundaries in a dating relationship? How do you determine where you should draw where you should draw the line? What is appropriate or inappropriate, et cetera? Glenn, can you kick us off? Yeah, I think the, the main thing, the first thing I want you to look at is this is going to be different for every different sure. couple. Sure. Uh, you've got some, sometimes you're in, in a relationship with both of you. 
you're a little older, you've done a, a, a certain amount of dating, you've held boundaries, you sort of maybe violated those and then had to kind of reassert it and, you know, whatever. So you've been through the experience of setting a boundary and keeping a boundary and having a sense of that. And maybe you can also look back on it and say, you know, we went, we went a little too fast through some of this. And so we want to scale it back a little bit. Uh, so if, if that's your experience, then I think you can be in more intimate situations without it slipping out of control. Uh, whereas if you haven't been in those situations and you kind of both feel like you're in a little bit of a, uh, you know, a tendency to kind of get uh, things get a little uh, away from you a little bit quick or whatever. You want to set those uh, boundaries a little tighter. But the the problem I see that happens all too often is Christians are looking at each other on that, and they're trying to sort of compete with each other yeah. on who can not do the most. And then if you not do anything you get to tell everybody now you say well maybe gosh, you even get a book deal that that geez that kind of sounds like that might be pride mm. if you are bragging to everyone about how much you're not doing something mm. uh but there's a this competition that can build up where you are so uh, proud of the fact that you did not do this or you did not do that or we saved this for our wedding night and then you're going to tell everybody and everybody's going to give you that oh wow that's really spiritual and then here's you in the midst of that saying well um i don't know that any of that applies to our relationship i don't know that this is uh something and also i don't know if it's anybody's business what we're doing and not doing here i think that's kind of not for other we have our mentors and and, and, you know maybe a pastor or 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 someone like that that we're discussing this with but everybody else kind of needs to not be in that space so i'm going to start off there and kick it around but i think uh, avoiding that prideful comparison kind of stuff and looking at um really uh, what level of control that you have and uh you know then moving forward and letting god give you more specific instruction yeah i think that's really great lee can you come in on the note of the way this looks within between the two people in the relationship the communication that has to take place yeah i mean the 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 talking about it is the is the biggest deal i mean whenever you talk to people who um are in a relationship and they haven't had that conversation yet of you know these this let's talk about specifically what our physical boundaries are going to be every 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 single time that they don't want to have that conversation it's because they want to just get away with as much as possible without having said anything and that's that's and you know and and if you go ahead and be honest about that you know well there's a place there's a place in me where I don't want to talk about this because I just kind of want to get away with as much as we can without you know just in other words we're going to violate all the boundaries that we know we should have by not saying what they are expressly but you know just starting to move that boat hey let's talk about this what what do you you know as we kind of pray about this and figure this out as a couple what do you absolutely know is right out let's let's t- let's let's both decide on the the non-negotiables for right now and then and then go through this a little bit and figure out what we need to change what needs to shift i think the biggest thing that happens is is uh, you know, you deciding this is what the this is what our boundaries are. They're hard and fast, and they're never going to change or anything like that. And and then and then you you violate them and you mess them up, and then you feel like, well, let's just throw that out because it didn't work. Here's the thing: you're there's probably going to be some mess ups there. And here's what you do: is when you mess up, you talk about it. You talk about what happened. Okay, let's 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 go back to the drawing board. Here's where we messed up on the boundary that we set. Why did we do that? Well, uh, maybe it's because we were in your apartment and we were watching a movie together in the dark and nobody else was here. And it was uh, 1.30 in the morning when we hit play on the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then if you were to tell that to anybody else, they would say, you are dumb. 
man. <laughs> the, you that was the dumbest. That that was dumb. That's like that guy on the TV show that tries to tame lions, and one of them's going to eat his head one day. That's just yep. stupid. That's just a right. stupid way to. And so you know, until so you look at that and say, okay, well, it looks like one thing that we need to decide to do is we don't need to watch a movie together in the dark, sitting on the couch in your apartment at you know at, at the at a you know at a certain time of day or whatever you know what in other words you're going to mess up you talk about how did that happen what can we change or shift about our process get some different strategy and then go back at it go go take another swing at this whole thing but talking about it and talking about all the aspects of it what led to this what was i thinking what what went into this and how can we change the strategy i think that's how you start to figure this stuff out yeah, that's a great point. And Jed, I'd like you to get you to talk a little bit about this. Glenn touched on it, but that idea that overdoing it in one direction is just as bad as overdoing it in the other direction. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. The way my wife would put it is everything in life has left and right limits. Too far in this direction is bad. Too far in this other direction is bad. We were talking, we were joking up front about, you know, diet and whatnot. You know, everybody knows, oh, you, you want to have a low-fat diet. You don't want to be eating fat. Well, that's true to a point. If you eat zero fat in your diet, that's actually really not good for you at all. Um, your, your body needs a certain amount of that. It's the same thing with relationships. You say, well, you know, the Bible is clear, full on intercourse is out for people who are not married. Um, if, if you haven't heard us say that, we've now officially said it. Save your emails. <laughs> intercourse before marriage is right out. However, the idea of saying we're going to have no physical interaction of any kind. We're not going to hold hands. We're not going to kiss. We're not going to, you know, uh, you know, snuggle together. Except in very specific situations with a lot of guidance from people who know what they're talking about, that's a very bad idea. I mean, a very, very, very bad idea. And it's, po- it's yep. also probably not going to, you're not going to pull it off. That's also right. Well, the, the thing that these, these we talk about this a lot, the cases that would have gone too far left or going too far right have in common is you didn't ask God about either of those. That's very right. Now, one of those I just decided we really wanted to have sex, so we did that. But the other is... I decided if not we decided that if not having sex before marriage is Christian, not touching each other at all before marriage is so super Christian, we don't even have to bother Jesus with asking him. We will just be super Christian on our own. Yeah, that ain't it. Well, look, I think, you know, all people do, but I think young people in particular really struggle with the idea of balance. The idea that a certain amount is good. More than that's not good, less than that's not good. There's an optimal place to land. That's uncomfortable for, for whatever reason. We, we really want to take things to an extreme, but this isn't a place to not do that. It turns out being ruled by your sexual appetites is a bad call. We can all what Glenn would call it as being a walking gland. Uh, we can all agree that's not good. But deciding that anything sexual is bad and dirty, and so we won't do it, is actually just as destructive. Right. Um, you, particularly if you're a younger person, you haven't been married, you, you you can't see this from your vantage point. But deciding, well, look, we don't want to go too far with sex, so we'll just call it all dirty and all bad and icky, and you know we won't go anywhere near it. That actually has the potential to cause far more problems in your marriage long term. <laughs> Then uh, um, and we've seen that. Oh yeah. man, have we seen that? Oh man, have we seen that? The truth is, dating has an inherent tension to it. Right. The tension is you want to do things and you don't have permission to do all of it, but you probably do have permission to do some of it, and so we have to learn how to be okay with doing some of it, but not all of it, until it's okay to do all of it. Well, and the problem, and we, yeah, I'm sorry, Judge. Go to, ahead, buddy. To, to cut in there on on you, but the the I think the thing that scares people about that is. Well, then you're suggesting that I have to have like an actual relationship with Jesus where I ask him questions and I sit still and listen for the answers. And I'd rather you just tell me who to vote for, what music to listen to, and how much kissing is allowed. That's exactly right. Right. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, yeah, I I think uh, one little thing on this is I think we also have to remember, if I can get slightly PG-13 for just one second, Along the lines of what Jed is saying, we're talking about five different l- levels, so to speak, if you want to put it that way. Kissing, right? Touching bathing suit areas. Touching bathing suit areas to orgasm, oral sex, intercourse. That's it. Five things. Five levels, five whatever. As Jed said, the intercourse is, is right out. out. So you've got, you know, whatever, however you want to term it, four, you know, levels or... or uh, whatever those things you that want the Bible doesn't speak to that the Bible doesn't speak to, and so it, it there it's it may seem complicated, but it's not. It's yeah. that simple. There's just four phases or whatever to the physicality of the relationship, 
And I think if you lay that out with your partner and say, okay, these are those four uh, phases and, and we need to talk about which of those things, uh, as these other fellows are talking about, which of those things are appropriate uh, before marriage uh, for us and for what God is calling us? What is, where does God want us right now? How might that change over time? And what yeah. sort of things might change it? And to begin to pray that through and explore it, but to recognize that that's actually a really simple, you know, the, the, the feelings about it are complicated, but the actual physical levels are pretty simple. We can, I'll give you real quick what you asked for in, in your question, but then there's the really hard part you, that you probably don't want. The, the, the thing you asked for is how far is too far. The vast majority of Christians that you would talk to, if you use Glenn's kind of, you know, the four levels, they would say the kissing part is great. The touching bathing suit areas and beyond is not okay. That, that's what the vast majority of, of Protestant Christians would tell you. And in most cases, I think that's actually fairly decent advice. But here's the thing. This is the really super, super key thing. And this is the hard part. Relationships are for grown people. And, and, and by the way, don't don't ask those same people what they did before. Yeah, definitely don't ask them. That's a different, that's a different standard. But that's what they tell you though. But here's the thing. This is the hard part. You don't want to hear it, but you need to hear it. Relationships are for grown people. Grown people decide for themselves what is and is not okay. That's part of life as a grown person. You need to work out with the Lord, with your partner. It's good to get good advice from a mentor, but you need to work out for your own self what this is going to be and own that decision. That's what a grown person does. And here's why that's so important. Everything about your marriage will be you and your spouse deciding for yourselves what it's going to be. The way you handle money, children, family, holidays, jobs, who works, who doesn't, who stays home, everything. It's got to work for the two of you. doesn't matter if it works for anybody else. The only way you can do that is if you decide to be a grown person who makes and owns your own decisions. That's the only way you can pull that off. That has to begin now with this physical intimacy stuff. That's a great point. And to to look at that idea of... The process of figuring this stuff out, I think, is very important. Because as Jed pointed out, if you go to God prayerfully, go to your mentors and say, here, here are the four stages we feel are, you know, here's, here's the four Uncle Glenn stages. What do you feel? It's an almost total certainty that everybody's going to say, all right, the oral sex thing and the touching baby series or everything, those are right out. Right. That's n- no. I right. wouldn't, tr- wouldn't trust you if you weren't trying, but no. Right. But... That getting that and then talking through that, talking to your mentors, getting all that and arriving at that is very different than just jumping to we know this is dirty, so no. Yeah. Right. right. It's exactly. the same it's the same conclusion. It might be the same actions, but the underpinnings of that are gonna be infinitely stronger than saying, That's so dirty we can't even think about it, so we shouldn't talk about it, so we shouldn't that's that's not the way to be in a relationship. Well, it's, it, yeah, because yeah, the whole thing is you start to talk honestly about the fact that, you know, we we messed up in this way, and then it was just a downhill slope, and then we just couldn't stop, and so that's why we're right. backing to here, you know, right, and that's right, that, right, and that's right. the whole point of communicating about, you know, even if we sinned or whatever, you know, even if we felt like, okay, I really the Lord was knocking on my door, and I just shut the door and just went. You know, I just went through, you know, whatever the deal is, it, it, we talk about that and then we adjust and we re, we, you know, we refit what the strategy is, what the boundary is and stuff like that. That's why that communication is so key. Yeah. All right, we move on to our next question here. It comes in an anonymous letter to Humble Box. It says, it seems like when we meet God, one of the things that will happen is that he will look at our life and see if we have been faithful with the resources he has given us. I'm still anxious that I don't know if I've been faithful enough. Like, what if he gave me three talents and instead of earning three more, I lost two of them or only earned two more? Will I get punished? I thought that Jesus's blood covered me and, like, paid all the debt that I owe. Lee, why don't you start us off? Um, I appreciate this question. And I, my, my initial sense is that you're kind of getting bogged down in the math of, of you know, did I— did I did I replicate enough of what God has given me for Jesus to be happy with me or you know it, it if I if he gave me 5 talents what if I only reproduced 2 and then what if the 3 didn't do anything and and now is Jesus mad at me kind of thing the, the you know the point of that whole parable the, the dude that 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 does not do anything with what Jesus has given him the the whole point there is not that this guy produced this much, this guy produced this much, this guy didn't produce anything. The point was their attitude about Jesus. Right. That's yep. the whole thing. 
Because what the guy, the guy that didn't produce anything, what he says to the Lord is, he says, I know what you're like. You're a hard man. And what you like to do is you, uh, you got all these little people out here, worker drones, and they work for you, these little worker bees. And then you like to take credit for the stuff that they do, because that's what you're like. And I don't like that. And so what I did is I just sat on it. Now, what do you think about that? You know, and that's the whole thing is, what's your attitude towards Jesus? The other people said, look, you gave me this. I went to work with it, did some stuff. And now look at what, all this stuff that we've got. And Jesus says, that's your attitude towards me, huh? You just think I'm, I'm selfish and I take credit where I have it. You know, and the thing is, when you get to know Jesus, you find out he is the most selfless. He has given his whole life, his whole self away to you just to give you full and abundant life. If your attitude toward him is, Jesus, I don't know what all I've got, and I don't exactly know what I'm doing, but I trust you, and I'm just going to go for something. And maybe the results aren't pretty, and maybe it doesn't look like a whole lot, but I'm just out there for you, baby. I'm just trying to figure this out. Help me to do it. If, you, if your attitude is to trust him and to try something, leave the results to him. You don't try to worry about what the math is. Then here's the thing that we can tell you. Undeniably, you are slamming this. That is awesome. That's the whole game. The whole game is my attitude towards Jesus is I just want to serve you and I hope it does something this is the little I've got, I'm giving to you. That's the whole ball game. If somebody says, I'm just not going to do nothing because I don't like the way he works. I, I think he just takes credit. That's, the, that's kind of the heartbeat around this is what's your heart towards Jesus and the life that he's given you and what you're supposed to be doing with it. If your attitude is, I'm going to go for it, even if it just even if it doesn't just doesn't look like a whole lot, I can tell you the Lord loves that. He's happy with that. Amen. I think that's a really great point. One of the things that seems to be missing here also, and that, as far as the way that attitude is looking, is joy, right, Jed? Totally. This is the thing, is God doesn't need any of us mm-hmm. to do his work. You know, I mean, he could right. snap his fingers and just do it all. He, he chooses to include us so that we can have the joy of participating in what he's doing. You know, I mean, you know, if you've got, you know, a little boy and you, you know, you know, work at the construction or whatever and you bring, you know, Johnny with you to the work site, it's not because you need Johnny's help. That's right, right. that's not the point. The point is for him the joy of being there and his big machines. It's a whole and thing. You should enjoy that joy before OSHA shows up. <laughs> exactly right. Um, but if you think about it. Um, You've got the story of the feeding of the 5,000, right? Um, You've got a whole bunch of hungry people. Nobody has any idea what to do. And this little kid wanders up and says, hey, I got my lunch. How about that? Well, on the one hand, we could look at it and we could say, that's absurd. We have thousands and thousands of people and we got a kid with a sack lunch. How could that possibly matter in any way, shape, or form? That's one way to look at it. But the other way to look at it is that whenever we go to God and we say, hey, I don't know if you can do much with it. But here's what I got. It's all yours. God actually always does something miraculous yeah. with it. Always. Every time. You know, there's, there's the old line, which is very true. It's better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. When you look at your world, you see a world that is just beset with awful stuff going on everywhere. And you can't really do much about any of it. I mean, you know, uh, Matt and Glenn and I work here in Chicago, and if we had a thousand lifetimes, we couldn't begin to stop crime and poverty in the city of Chicago. But only a fool says, well, then do nothing. There's, there's, no, there's no point. Um, we can actually change people's lives, um, but it's a matter of going to the Lord and saying, hey, I don't have much. I'm one grumpy little dude who uh, uh, doesn't like people, but I'm yours. So if you if you got something for me and every time we go to Jesus, we say, I'm yours. If you got something for me, he says, I have just the thing. Every time we go to Jesus, he says, I've got just the thing. But I think it's about giving ourselves permission to see the possibilities, to look at the world and see things that we we feel a sense of, man, I'd love to be able to do something about that. I I feel just a a burden of love to respond to that in some way. And then going to the Lord and saying, here I am. Um, I don't I don't have much. I got a sack lunch. But if you can do something with it. It's yours. That's the attitude Jesus is looking for. If we'll come to him with that attitude, guarantee he'll do amazing things with it and with us. That's a great idea. One of the things it seems like, and uh, this is not the only kind of question about this passage we've gotten in this parable, but a lot of people will get tripped up on that idea of investing. Can you talk about the way that actually works in this parable, Glenn? Well, yeah, the, I think there's an idea that uh, 
Jesus is expecting results. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, the 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 problem is Jesus the cranky police commissioner in an eighties cop movie. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's not uh, how this works. Uh, in fact, uh, the results part is actually completely up, up to him. Up to him. Yeah. Uh, we know that because we know exactly where we leave off and where the Lord picks up in our ministry. And, uh, Not exactly early, 50-50 relationship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the time uh, I've given my best and done my my very much smartest whatever, uh, I am so far short of being able to pull off what needs to be done. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't have what it takes. And that I pray that prayer uh, every time. You've heard me say before, I, before I get on the mic, I pray that prayer, and I mean it every single time. Lord, I, I just don't have what it takes. You know, I know this. I know you can give me the words. I know you can do this. But within me, I don't have it. I don't want this to be about me, and I don't want it to come from me because I don't have it. Uh, so th- that part has to be understood. But I think within this is also the idea that um, that there's a trusting of God yeah. in that, that we're making sacrifices and that we're trusting that he will do something with that. Uh, it, it, uh, if you could maybe use your imagination what it would be like to uh, be a missionary— uh, for us as missionaries, you know, our support comes in from people like you who uh, subscribe to Bridgebox. Uh, it also comes from uh, individuals who just send us checks, and, and in some cases, uh, there are churches that support us, like Triple C there in Tennessee, um, uh, and that's part of our picture. But here's the weird thing about that: is we could wake up one month and like none of it could come in. Yeah, there's, yeah, it's not written anywhere yeah. that it would just keep coming. Sometimes that kind of happens. Sometimes you get sort of the perfect storm. And sometimes every, we, sometimes some of us wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat, just thinking that might happen. Yeah. So if it, it to you that might be like, wow, you know, it's what a rewarding thing to make such a noble sacrifice for the kingdom. Nope. Uh, for us, it's like dangling over the pit of doom, yep. hanging by a thread, and no idea whether this is going to work or not. And we're giving our all, and yet uh, we have to trust that the Lord would do something about that as we put it out, and that resources will come back in to us so that our our accomplishment within that is really a pretty minimal thing. Well, there's also the, the the exact flip side of that being there are people who give us money to the the missionary model is very different than the church model because people and churches are giving us money to go work with people who aren't them. Yeah, right. Yes, and yeah. that's in a big way. And one of the things you'll find is you do more stuff. This in a big way, that's like it seems less hardcore or whatever, but that's like way more of a risk and investment in a weird way than anything we're doing because at least right. we're near it. I mean, we have people from hundreds of miles away writing us checks or something, they will never get an earthly return on. Yeah. Right. And in a weird way, what you're talking about here, that I, that fear of not wanting to do something wrong, there are people who would be in a way, er, in an earthly way justified, or people who in support meetings have told all four of us, I'm going to give it to um, UNICEF, or I'm going to give it to Doctors Without Borders, or I'm going to give it something where I'm going to get a... I want to give it to a big organization or my church, or whatever, where I see there's a, they send a monthly report that says this many people baptized, this many thing, this many the thing. And part of that is what's going on. A lot of underpinning this question is just that fear of doing something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's a line I've used to the point of overuse, but people keep misbehaving. So I'm going to keep using it. There's this weird idea that a lot of people have. Yes. them, what's the perfect Christian life? They would immediately respond. Don't sin. Yeah. Right. So if you extrapolate that out, you just say, so a perfect Christian life is you sit in a white room with no stimulus and don't risk ever thinking anything wrong. How Sounds does that coincide? Old. Yeah, with, you know, <coughs> as Jesus would go on to say in Matthew chapter 25, which is where this parable of the talents is found, you have to go visit people in prison and right. go clothe the naked. Yeah. Well, I can't clothe naked people. I might be tempted to lust. I'm best <laughs> to leave them out there, uh, leave them out there to die of exposure, lest right. my feeble mind be tempted. Right. And a lot of this stuff is you got to take a little risk and you got to get your hands dirty. And that goes back to what Lee was talking about at the beginning with this is a heart. What Jesus is talking about in this parable is a heart problem. Yeah. yeah. And there's actually three stories he tells in Matthew 25. The first one is about a bunch of bridesmaids who missed the wedding because they didn't, have the 
didn't have the stuff they needed and they thought they just siphoned it from other people. And one of the ways a lot of people read that is what they missed about the Christian thing is that it's, you have to do your individual bit. Yeah. We don't mean you have to do the work. What that means is you can't just, I go to this church that does lots of Christian stuff. Therefore I'm probably covered. I am covered by the group. That's an individual thing. You have this one where as Lee very rightly pointed out, you had someone who said, I was too scared of screwing up and making God angry. Right. So I didn't do anything. God doesn't, the, right. the master and, in the story doesn't respond well to that. And and what's wrong with the, with the perspective of, I have no idea what to do, right? but I kind of feel a burden for this general area. I'm going to start there yep. and then keep praying and dialing in as I go. I think that's great. I don't think you need to be afraid of it. I think right? that's great. Cause one of the things, and Lee may have pointed this out and I apologize for repeating this off. If you actually look at the real story, what happened is this guy didn't go out and make a bunch of investments that didn't work out. He didn't and do, get anything. Chastised he didn't do anything. He says, right. I was scared of you, so I buried it, the money you gave me, in the ground. Right. Yeah. It just because I that was my plan. <laughs> That's very different than I took a risk and it didn't work out. Right. This this will sound a little odd, but go with me for a second. I have part of the work that I do for Glenn is producing music for a wide variety of people and applications. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Dang straight. You know, hip hop for one group, heavy metal for another group, smooth jazz for another. But we do a lot of music of a lot of different types. But it gives me, if you'll bear with me, a weird vantage point on maybe the way that the Lord feels. I'll tell you why that is. I'm trying to incorporate a lot of different people. And let's talk about vocalists for a second. You know, all the time I've got young people from the inner city. I want them to come and be a vocalist for me. Guys are coming out of jail. Come and sing a line for me. Okay. The one thing that I can't have them do is refuse to participate. If they come in and they sing off key, I can fix that. It's easy. I'm pretty good in the studio. If they come in and they sing out of time, I can fix that. It's no problem. If they get the words wrong, that's no problem. We can can say, let's just do another take and I'll put a lyric sheet right in front of you. Literally, I had one guy one time, he just had some memory problems. So we literally would just go one line at a time, just a dozen times in a row. We just looped the recording and he could remember four words at a time. We built the entire song that way, four words at a time time recorded a dozen times in a row work great i can deal with any problem absolutely anything except you just refusing to show up that's the one thing that i can't do anything about if you won't come to the studio if you won't step up to the microphone there's nothing i can do if you have that little bit of willingness i can fix anything else i can make you sound like a rock star i've been doing this for a long minute and i can make the music be what it needs to be to go to the people it needs to go to and they'll get ministered to and they'll learn about jesus but you have to show up right you can show up and be bad you can show up and be clueless you can show up forget the words and sing out of tune and out of key and everything else but you have to show up well that's the way it is for you and i working with the lord the lord can deal with any problem he can deal with any issue any shortcoming but we have to be willing to say here i am send me Yep. We have to be willing That's to show right. up. If you're willing to to metaphorically and sometimes physically step up to the microphone, God can and will handle everything else. That willingness is the one thing that's on you. Amen. Amen. All right, that's a lot of great stuff. We hope you enjoyed this last Say That of 2014. We'll be back next week. We're going to take you out with a outro song. This is from our good friend and recent Belmont University graduate. Yes. Zach Hughes. This is his version of the hymn, Be Thou My Vision. This was a very early Bridgebox track, and still a lot of people's, one of a lot of people's favorites. I know it's one of mine. Zach did a great job with this. We also look forward to him releasing more stuff like this in the future. Zach Attack. Yes. Just couldn't hold that in until the ending. Yeah, yeah, just threw it in there. Thank you for putting the very Chicago eh on that. Zach Attack. Put it in the stack back. That's where we. That's where we've chosen to live voluntarily. I got a. I got a, a Zach attack. It's giving me a heart attack. <laughs> oh Lord! They really sound like that, people. All right. Anyway, back to the thing I was doing. If you'd like to be the first, I was trying to make us money, and you had to throw in your little funny jokes. If you'd like to get stuff like this first, world premieres of awesome stuff from indie artists, you can sign at missionsa.com slash bridgewatch, missionsa.com slash bbli. Take you out, be thou, by, be thou my vision by Zach Hughes. Remember, we love you, God loves you, there's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, spiritual weight loss for your inner golem. Now <laughs> <laughs> my vision. My heart, not me, all else to me, 
Still be 